0: Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 40. Jesus speaking here, and he says, Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. This is the example Jesus is giving to us to be like. He says, I want you to be prepared. I want your light to shine. I want you to be ready like a servant waiting for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that he may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and he will come forth and serve them and if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants and this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come he would have watched and had not suffered his house to be broken through Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes at an hour when ye think not. Just want to talk to you for the next couple moments about what are you watching? What are you watching? Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And Jesus, I pray you open up our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirit. To receive the word of the Lord today. And I believe in Jesus that you have the right word at the right time that's going to make all the world a difference for somebody here today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I love you. I worship you. I magnify your name. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Someone say, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What are you? Watching? It is a common question. I have heard many times, especially in the workforce, whether it be Starbucks, Boys and Girls Club, school, wherever. You know, I hear people talking about what they have watched. Hey, did you see? such and such last night. Did you watch this movie the other week? Did you see this program? Did you uh, have a chance to see this video? Did you watch this link? Did you, etc. You understand the point. I've heard it for so many years of my life being that I have grown up in an era, in an age where Uh, television and media and internet has been the prominent vehicles in which people are looking to for entertainment, for information. Asking, what are you watching? Did you watch the game? Did you watch the show? Did you watch the movie? And right now, uh, we find ourselves, and we've said it multiple times, that people are watching more than average, which the average time of watching daily was... Quite a bit anyways, it was anywhere from three to five hours of people streaming and watching entertainment, but now it 's gone above eight hours of day now that we are kind of in this shelter in place era, this quarantine segment of society and so people 's watching has grown exponentially, and so everybody just seems to be tuning in to all these various avenues these different programs etc and so uh, the other thing that people are watching right now is they're watching the stock market. People are watching what stocks are going down, what stocks are going up, what stocks are selling. I just seen uh, in a news headline, I believe it was yesterday, about things that Warren Buffett and other major investors are doing, how they selling all their stocks when it comes to airlines, Delta, United, American And so it is with people right now, people are watching the reaction of what is occurring in human behavior from this COVID-19, from this coronavirus, this pandemic that has gone worldwide. People are watching trends. I've heard it multiple times about people watching what is selling at grocery stores, what is selling at Walmart. At first it seemed to be toilet paper and then it seemed to be these cleaning products. Then it seemed to be, uh, you know, eggs and now it's meat and all these things selling and things are not as readily available and prices going up and down. It's constant watching and observing all of these things. The question that Jesus was posing to us and that I am posing you today is, what are you watching? Are you aware of what... Is set before your eyes or what is in the forefront of your mind. It is important that we are watching the right thing, that we are watching the correct thing. There's a story in our Bible found in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And in 1 Samuel 25, there are four main characters. Three of them basically run throughout the story, but there are four. The first one uh, dies off right away, and that is Samuel. Samuel is the prophet. He is uh, the prophet of Israel. He's the last judge of Israel. He's a powerful, mighty, used man of God. He's been faithful his entire life. And uh, you could say somewhat he is the pastor of David. David, who is the upcoming king. Uh, that is going to take the place of Saul. He is the anointed one. He's the one that took down the giant Goliath. And Samuel has just died. He's passed. The second character in the story is a man named David that I just mentioned to you. The third is a man named Nabal. And the fourth is Nabal's wife, whose name is Abigail. And in this story of Samuel dying, you have David who's on the run from Saul, the current king, who is a horrible king. He's made some terrible decisions and leading the people of God the wrong direction. And he is hunting down David. David is a a fugitive. He is an outcast, and he's hiding from the king himself that's trying to murder him. And he's outside in these these, uh, wilderness places. And then you have this man named Nabal, the name Nabal, means a fool, a foolish man. And this foolish man is very wealthy. He has an abundance of wealth. And it happens to be a season where he's enjoying the fruit of his labor or the the wealth that he has. And there is what they call the shearing of the sheep. It's I guess you could say as they're giving the sheep their quarantine cuts they're just counting the money they're just seeing all the abundance that they have and they throw a massive party where everybody is basically eating and drinking and being merry and carrying on and then you have the other figure in the story Abigail which her name means a source of joy and the Bible says she was a beautiful woman of beautiful countenance but not only did she look good She had great understanding and wisdom. She was wisdom personified. Nabal was uh, idiocy personified. And David is out hiding in the wilderness around the parameters of this property of Nabal, this extremely wealthy man. And the Bible says David, after his pastor died, the man of God, Samuel, died, Uh, He is watching over Nabal's territory. He's been doing this for a long time. David has basically, and his men, his mighty men, have been like a fence around all of Nabal's property, watching it, making sure no uh, grievous wolves enter in and snatch the sheep. And uh, they were respectable to the shepherds of that area. They did not uh, steal anything, and they did not taunt them. They were very respectful to them. And after watching over Nabal's property for so long, he realized the timing of what was happening. He saw that the sheep basically were brought in, they got their hair cut, and the celebration is ensuing. And so David just figured, you know what, I've never presented myself I've never really asked much of Nabal before I've never asked anything of him I simply have protected him without him even recognizing or realizing it I've been a fence a wall all around him and my pastor just died my powerful mentor this man of God who anointed my life he has just died and I my men were out here in the wilderness we are hungry we just we need a little relief. We need a little relaxation. We just would like to enjoy some sort of recognition of what we have done for Nabal. And so they make the request and they talk to the servants of Nabal and say, hey, can you ask Nabal if we could be part of the celebration? Can we receive some of the food? Can we receive some of the beverage? Can we receive some of the camaraderie and atmosphere and interaction? And so the servants, they go forward and they go out to Nabal. And when the servants arrive before Nabal, they say, Nabal, uh, David, he uh, wants to know if he could be a part of the festivities. He wants to know if he could be a part of the celebration. Can he participate? Can uh, his men be fed? Can he be fed? Can they be a part of what's going on? And Nabal flips out royally. He gets, he gets so ticked off and he says, What? Are you kidding me? Who who is this David? I don't know who this David is. There's a lot of people out there running around claiming to be this or that and claiming to be of some sort of reputation. This is my food. This is my uh, land. These are my sheep. These are my servants. This is my wealth. This is my abundance. This is all of mine. I don't know who this servant is is and this 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 renegade this this convict i don't know who he is and he will not enjoy anything of mine i work for it it all belongs to me tell him to get out of here and so the servants go back to david and when they go back to david they relay the message that nabal had this foolish wealthy man and when they relay the message to david david his countenance change. David, who has been so kind and selfless and merciful and caring and compassionate, all of a sudden his visage changes. His countenance is altered and he is angry and he tells all his men, gather all your swords, gather all the horses. We're going to go to Nabal's and we're going to wipe out every person that lives there. We're going to completely just demolish all of them how I can't believe that they would treat me that way after I've been offensive protection after I've walked the only reason he's been able to have this party is because I have protected all of his belongings so he can enjoy the fruit of those belongings without even knowing I'm the one that watched him I'm the one that protected him at any moment I could have took it at any moment I could have allowed thieves to break through but I protected him. And this is the response I get. This is the the payback I get for all that I have done for him. That's it. David is angry. He's lost his pastor and he's, he's, he's lost basically any hope of someone just respecting him. He's already being attacked wrongly by the king Saul who is is so backslidden, and and now he's trying to do a good thing for somebody else, and this man rejects him and doesn't acknowledge him. And so David and his men are about to prepare for war, and the servants recognize this. The servants see this, and so they quickly make their way back on over to Abigail, the wife of Nabal. Now remember, she's the beautiful one. She is the source of joy. She is the wisdom personified. She is a woman of good understanding. And as they appear before her, they begin to explain to her the whole details of the situation, saying, David is a good man. David has protected us. David's been a wall around us. David has kept thieves away from us. David has has kept wolves from us. And as long as we've been conversing with him, as long as we interact with him, he's always been so kind and so generous and so loving to us. But Nabal has rejected him and his countenance has changed. There's been a shift. There's been a change in David. And he's coming This way. He's coming back very soon. And Abigail, this wisdom personified, this source of joy, this beautiful woman, she begins to quickly give direction to all the servants to say, all right, you get this food and you get those beverages and you get this material and you get these gifts and you gather all the best and I, I want you to hurry. Do it quick, 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 fast, fast. We don't got much time. Hurry up. And then so she goes out with that party of gifts and offerings to David and the men. And she gets on her animal and she's speeding as fast as she can towards the one who's coming as fast as he can. And all of a sudden, as David is riding and Abigail is riding, these two forces are coming towards each other. And she stops and gets off of her animal and she goes before the king and she bows herself and she begins to lay him with praise and also lay him with apology and repentance Saying, I'm so sorry, my Lord, I, I apologize, I, I received the message of how you were ill-treated, how Nabal has responded to you. You know his name, you know, though he has abundance and wealth, that he is foolish. You know that is his behavior but please, receive these gifts. Receive these offerings. Because will you come back and just destroy everything while there's innocent among the people, while there's people that uh, are oblivious to your return, yet they are good. They're not as foolish and rebellious. and they just, they just need someone to, to explain the situation. They need somebody to stand on their behalf. Receive these gifts. Receive this offering. And David was so stirred, David was so moved that he he began to basically re- retract or withdraw the judgment that he was bringing or repented and said, Oh, I'm so thankful that you came, I'm so thankful that you stood here, because if you had not done this, surely by this time soon I, I would have arrived on these premises and there would not been one single person that would have survived. Everything would have been annihilated. Blessed are you. I will withhold my wrath. I will withhold my judgment. And he received the offerings. He received the gifts. He and all his men and the wrath was appeased that day. And so they carry on and Abigail, she gathers herself with her servants, and they make their way back to Nabal. And Nabal's still partying this entire time. He's still throwing the biggest party ever, just totally wasted, totally drunk, totally carrying on, oblivious to that he was about to be annihilated. And then the next day, as he basically passed out from drinking, He comes to himself, he's got the world's worst hangover, but he's coming to his senses and he's crawling out of bed. And then Abigail decides to have this conversation with him and she shares the news with Nabal. And the moment Nabal heard the news... His heart failed for fear. He he froze. He he basically turned into like a vegetable. And he he was just there. He was shocked. He was horrified. He was petrified. And eventually, he died. And when David heard the news about Nabal dying and passing, he came back to that land. He came back to that premises. And he came back for Abigail. Abigail. He came back because she was a source of joy. She was a woman of understanding. She was a woman of beautiful countenance. And David came on that horse and he reached out to her and he took her as the bride and he took her away from that land and she became his wife. In my estimation, this is one of the most beautiful clear depictions of Jesus Christ coming back to this earth and coming back for a bride. It's one of the clearest images we have in the Old Testament of this. There are others as well, I understand. But I'm telling you right now, as I prayed about this service, God quicken this to me in my mind. I have shared this story before, but I feel to share it again that there is a world right now that is like Nabal. They are extremely blessed. There is abundance in the land of the United States of America. And I know America is not the world, but I'm speaking to our world right now. We live in total, complete, absolute abundance, unprecedented in any other time and era. We, the poorest man, is still the wealthiest man. You can be in poverty in this first world and live like a king in comparison to those in the third world. If you are between that income of 20000 to $30,000, you are in the top 1% wealth of the world. And here we are in this land that flows with such milk and honey. And there is such abundance, there is such prominence, there is such privilege, there is such blessing in the land that we are living in right now. And with all this blessing, you think there would be some wisdom, you think there would be some understanding. But just like Nabal in abundance, so is this society. It is very foolish. It does not recognize the reality of what is going on. And so Nabal has been so close to salvation, so close to wisdom, so close to a source of joy, so close to a beautiful countenance. This world, this United States of America that is so blessed, it is blessed to be so close to the proximity of Bibles everywhere and churches Everywhere, so close to the answer, so close to wisdom, so close to beauty, so close to a source of joy. But instead, they choose to eat, drink and be merry and carry on as if there's nothing to worry about, nothing to be really concerned with. And so they carry on with the party, not understanding that there is a king out there that is coming and this king, basically, all he's looking for is some recognition. He's looking for some praise. He's looking for some one to give thanksgiving, to give, a, a, a basically, to humble oneself and say, every good gift and every perfect gift that I have comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. But all of a sudden, when the king looks, when that, that David comes and looks, Jesus comes and looks to find someone just to show him some appreciation and thanks. He arrives with the messenger. He sends the messenger forth. And that reaction of Nabal, the world, the fool, is, I don't know who this David is. I don't know who this Jesus is. How dare he want my tithes and offering? How dare he want me to get on my knees and, and crawl to some sort of altar? There's a lot of religions out there claiming to be the truth in the way. There's a lot of preachers out there. There's a lot of charlatans out there. I don't know who this man is. I, I, I don't need him. This is my land. These are my sheep. This is my wealth. This is my abundance. This is my stuff. While all along, not even recognizing that it's David, it's Jesus that's been watching over everything. Every good thing we have comes from above. And all of a sudden, the wrath of a king, a wrath of David, a wrath of Jesus. The Bible says he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to have a sharp two-edged sword come out of his mouth. He's going to be riding a horse, and there's going to be wrath in him as he charges towards this earth. The Bible speaks it very clearly in the New Testament that the day is coming very soon when we least expected. But the Bible also lets us know at the same exact time that there's another one on the scene, and that is Abigail, this woman of understanding. This woman of beautiful countenance. This woman that is a source of joy. She sees what is happening. She sees what is going on. She sees wrath coming. She sees also this king that is coming. And she sees this world that is carrying on without understanding that is acting very foolish. And she sees that in this foolish area, there's also some innocent ones. There's some ones that are completely unaware they had no say in the matter they just happened to be in a foolish world and so she as fast as she can she's watching she's looking she's riding and she approaches she charges towards that oncoming king that oncoming force of David and she lays herself before him and lays all of these gifts upon him and begins to say whoa hold stop would you slow down would just stop there. I I, I want you to know I acknowledge, I recognize the foolish behavior, the behavior that is just and deserving of uh, of wrath and recompense and, and deserving of judgment, deserving of these things. But I plead with you. I plead with you. Please don't destroy everything. There's some good people back there that I know. There's some people, they will humble themselves. They were here. Some of us here right now, we're giving you these gifts. We're giving you these praises. We're giving you this recognition. And this king that's coming, all of a sudden, his wrath is appeased. And he pulls back and he begins to speak blessing upon this woman. And he does not come back down with judgment because there was an Abigail. I want you to know that the church is that Abigail. You are that Abigail. We are the ones that have wisdom and understanding. Hopefully we have wisdom. Hopefully we have understanding that this world is acting foolish and that there is a God in heaven who we need to be watching this God in heaven who is coming back. In Acts chapter 1 when the church was started the Bible says after Jesus talked with them concerning the kingdom of God for 40 days that he ascended up into heaven in a cloud and the angels told the people on earth that hey just like you've seen him go so will he return Jesus is coming back and he's coming back very soon he's coming back quickly and I can assure you this right now that there is a side of Jesus that is so grieved that is so hurt that is so frustrated because he's done everything he can to be a wall around this earth he's done everything he can to bless and to provide for the United States. There's never been a nation like our nation. There's never been a country like our country. But we are claiming that we are our own. We are independent. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I work for this. I deserve this. I'm entitled this. You need to give me this. The government owes me this. This is my right. This is me, 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 I, I, I. But it's God who's given us everything. God who's been a fence all around us. And the church needs to see this picture clearer than it's ever seen. That Jesus is coming back. And something's got to get a hold of your heart. You can't just get mad at the world and say, good, they deserve to die. They deserve to get their head blown off. They deserve hell. They deserve judgment. They deserve, they deserve. No, something should grip our hearts and say, I know that there's people on this earth still that don't fully grasp and understand the soon returning king. And I've got to intercede on their behalf. I've got to pray on their behalf. I've got to stand before the oncoming wrath of David, the oncoming wrath of Jesus, and the foolish behavior and activity of this world. I wish, I pray, I would to God that somebody in the church would have a spirit of intercession rise upon them, that you would take a personal responsibility upon yourself. That's what wisdom would do. Wisdom, a source of joy, would begin to approach a king and say, please hold back that wrath. Give me a little more time. Give me a little more time to work with my neighbor. Give me a little more time to work on my co-worker. Would you give me some more time? I I feel a burden for this person that I do not know, but if I can reach them, if I can pray for them, if I can teach them a Bible study. And David saw the wisdom He was so moved and stirred that he changed his mind and he held back. And all of a sudden, when that day came, when the Bible study happened, the revelation, the moment happened with with Abigail and Nabal, he was the last one to know. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and other gospel accounts, that this gospel will be preached into the entire world. And then will be the coming of the Son of Man. Once the last person has their opportunity, Jesus Christ will come back. And he will come back for a bride. He came back for Abigail. He came back for the church. He came back for his source of joy. I want to be a part of that. I want to be Abigail. I want to be wise. I want to be that source of joy. But I ask you today, what are you watching? What are you watching? Are you watching the right thing? Are you watching the wrong thing or the right thing? Because there is so many that are watching the wrong thing. Now you may get on your holy high horse and say well I'm not watching movies. I'm not, I'm not watching Netflix. I'm not watching nothing. And not, not me. But are you watching the right thing? It's not about, are you watching TV? It's not about, are you watching Netflix? Though, distraction is the enemy of conviction. And entertainment is the enemy of conviction. And distraction is the enemy of consecration. And entertainment is the enemy of consecration. And people are so bloating themselves with this just entertainment, just to be distracted from what's going on. But I'm not talking solely about that. Are you watching with this understanding? He's coming back. He is Jesus Christ... Is coming back. Here's what you should be watching. You should be watching Matthew 24. You should be watching the book of Thessalonians. You should be watching the book of Peter. You should be watching the book of Revelation. You should be watching the signs of the time. Jesus said, This is what you should be watching for men's hearts failing for fear. This is what you should be watching, wars and rumors of wars. This is what you should be watching, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. This is what you should be watching for famines this is what you should be watching for in thessalonians he says there's going to be a third temple that is going to be built and this temple is the temple that the antichrist is going to sacrifice and claim to be god all of this is set in place you should be watching for a peace agreement on that holy temple mount you and i should be watching for some sort of of uh, a movement that is going to try to unite the world to have a one world government. You should be watching for a united monetary system. You should be watching for a way for people to worldwide receive a mark in their hands, a mark in their foreheads. You should be watching worldwide what is going on with this understanding. These signs that are coming to pass before your eyes and my eyes indicate very clearly Jesus Christ is coming back. And so we ought to take it upon ourselves as a church. Say, God, you're coming back. And I want want to be ready. I don't want to watch the wrong thing. Because blessed is the man that is found watching for the right thing. I want to be watching for the right thing. I want to be ready to meet Jesus, but I want to have on my heart a burden for those who are not ready to meet Jesus. As this church in this community, restrictions are lifting and we're going to be able to have a sense of normalcy, though nothing will be normal as we used to know normal. But this is our last moment. This is our last hour to reach people, and I hope people are ready. I hope people are prepared, and there's this part of me that is very fearful, because as serious of the things that have played out over the past couple months, it almost feels like I've seen little repentance across our country. Uh, When I I just take a pulse and I I see what's going on in media, and I, I, I see what's going on in social media, and I talk to others, people still carry on. It was almost as if this this pandemic was like a precursor, like a test to see how people would react and respond, and then also to see what if this this society is ready to be basically taking control of, because control we have found out can be taken. Uh, 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 a hold of very easily in our world right now all these laws all these rules these regulations so quickly things passed and and now so many things are set in place and I, I almost fear because in this moment there's been there's people still carrying on as if nothing other than an inconvenience has happened to them when God's been calling for repentance, God's been calling for an awareness, God's been calling first, people saying, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. And I pray that we are ready for harvest. You heard the prophecy. I shared it with you that this church has been promised a harvest in four months time. And that month is coming upon us. And I believe it's not a coincidence or an accident that we have a couple evangelists that are coming here that are going to have a word from God, that are going to speak to our church. And we are going to be given a window of opportunity to reap a harvest. I want to reap a harvest. I pray when we come back to this church... And these doors are open. Yes, come back praising God. Yes, come back worshiping God. But don't come back empty-handed. This is where we need to come with other people in our hands and bring them to church. This is the hour that we need to see a harvest. If there's ever been a time that you should be witnessing to your co-workers, inviting people to church, teaching Bible studies, this is the hour this is the moment this is our time this time that we this relaunch if you want to call it that this this church 2.0 if you want to call it that i pray that we are more evangelistic minded than we've ever been instead of coming here just to praise god which is important and to receive something for ourselves which is important I pray we come back here ready ourselves, but trying to get someone else ready for the return of Jesus Christ because he's coming back. I wonder if you could close your eyes with me and you could listen carefully, and we're going to pray. The reason why it's so important that we are ready and that others are ready there are two times, there are two places. These two times will happen. These two places will happen for every single person. Every person that is alive or has ever been alive is either going to die or they will be alive when Jesus Christ comes back. And they will face one of two places. Heaven for all of eternity where there's no tears, there's no sorrow, there's no joy, there's no death. Or they will go to hell. And hell is a place of eternal torment. Darkness. Fear. Weeping. Gnashing of teeth. An intense torment unlike anyone could ever experience. Eternally separated from the presence of God. With no relief. With no comfort. With no peace. I feel... A conviction. I feel a heaviness. And I hope if you are hearing me right now that you would work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because I don't want anyone to go to hell. I don't want anyone to be separated from God for all of eternity, to live in complete, utter darkness and pain and torment. But I'm telling you, there is a God. His name is Jesus. And He simply wants you to make haste to quickly turn to Him and to begin to confess your sins to Him and say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness and He'll forgive you. And He wants to bury every single one of your sins in baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to bury those sins forever and to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence with speaking a new language And as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, as you are born again, I'm telling you, you will be ready for when Jesus comes again. He will come again for everyone that is born again. And if you have not been born again, there is a second death that you do not want to face. And I don't want anyone to face. And God doesn't want anyone to face. And church, if you are ready to meet Jesus... I hope you are making ready to help others to meet Jesus. Because I feel such an urgency. I've, I've never felt such an awareness on me of almost anticipating Jesus Christ is going to come back today. Jesus Christ is going to be coming back today. He's the No man knows the day or the hour. And Jesus said, when you least expect it, he will return. But blessed is going to be the person that is found watching. What will you be found watching on that day? Will you be watching for Jesus to come back? Or are you just going to watch something on Netflix again? You're just going to watch something on YouTube again? You're just going to watch another movie again? You're just going to watch, you know, just something else to do? No, we need to be found watching for the return of Jesus. Would you lift your voices with me right now? Would you pray? God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the church is found watching, that they are sober-minded, God, that they are looking for your return. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that every single person in Watertown, South Dakota, in Coddington County, and anyone else that would come across listening to this, Jesus, that if they are not ready to meet you, I pray that this prayer would grip them. I pray it would convict them. I pray it would be like a vice on their heart. And I pray it press them to tears. I pray it would press them to say, God, I want to make sure I'm ready. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to die lost. I don't want to be separated from you, Jesus. I want to be ready when you come back. And I ask Jesus that you would forgive me of every sin that I've ever committed, every lie. Every slander, every gossip, every hate-filled feeling that I have, every bitterness I have towards someone, every ounce of unforgiveness, God, that I have towards others, I am sorry and I forgive them. God, I am sorry and I let it go. Jesus, every sin I committed, every drug I put in my body, every ounce of alcohol I put inside of me, God, purge me of it, wash me of it, cleanse me of it. It. God, every vile thing that's ever come out of my mouth, I am sorry. Every wicked imagination I've ever had, every lustful thought, God, I cast it out in the name of Jesus, and I pray your blood would purge me. God, every sexual sin that I committed, God, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. God, you said, let him who sins sin no more. God, every person under the sound of my voice that is committing sexual sin, I pray right now. God, that conviction would get a hold of them and you set them free. For you said, God, we are not to commit ourselves in that behavior unless it is to the one we are married to. There is not to be any act before marriage or outside of our marriage. I pray every fornicator, every adulterer would be convicted, God, and repent of their sins and turn from their ways. I pray every single person right now, God, that is struggling, God, with addiction, I pray, God, you would set them free and liberate them lord we are sorry for our sins we humble ourselves and we ask that you would create in us a clean heart i pray that you renew a right spirit within us in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus hallelujah if you have prayed that sincerely and if you are repentant one you can continue to repent but if you have repented of your sins and you want God to wash away every single one of your sins, He has forgiven you, but now He wants to bury those sins in baptism, in water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been baptized before, you can be baptized again because in Acts chapter 19, there was a group of people that got baptized again when they found out about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. And they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak new languages as the Spirit of God gave them that ability. I want to encourage you right now, if you've not experienced that, you need to pray in your home today and receive that because the Bible says the same spirit that resurrected Jesus into the heavens is the same spirit that will resurrect you and I. The power of the Holy Ghost is what will take us to heaven. Amen. 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 amen.